Now, over the last eight years together, I've preached a lot of different messages to you regarding Advent. We've celebrated the Advent season, and we are for the very fact of the coming of Jesus. I've preached messages to you from the manger to the cross and series. But here a few months ago, as I was contemplating Christmas, I said, what could be different? Lord, what do I need to say throughout this Christmas season whereby it will effect change in all of us? And I kept going back to, I have a little manger scene in my office that I have had since Connie and I were just married in the early 70s, 1972 to be exact. And she did a little work with this company, I think, called then, I don't know if it's still called that now, Christmas Around the World. And I still have that little precious moments manger. And every year, I leave it here at the office, matter of fact, and every year at Christmas, I put it out. Well, I know exactly where that's boxed up and where it sits on my shelf in my office. And I remember a few months ago I was cleaning some books and taking a few home and adding a few and all this. And, and I kept seeing that little manger scene, the thought of Christmas. The more I would put books or change things or whatever occasion would have me to go on the other side of my desk on my shelf, I would go past the box with the picture of this manger scene. And I knew what was inside it. We were actually missing one of the wise men, and, and I think one of the shepherds had broken over the years, but most of him was there, you know. The baby and Mary and Joseph and all of them were there. And it's in my office now. I put it out last week. And then I got to looking at all the characters of that manger, in particular the night Jesus was born, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, Obviously, the baby Jesus. And then a few months ago, I got to thinking. I said, you know, Joseph is kind of the unsung hero in the manger. He never says anything. You never hear him quoted in Scripture. He's only, should we say, visible, even though we know he was married and maybe other children down the way, but... We know he fathered the Son of God. But after Jesus was about 12 years old, you don't hear a whole lot about Joseph, and you really didn't hear a whole lot in the beginning, except you read between the lines, and oh, you can see a lot about this man, Joseph. I put up a manger scene, two of them, matter of fact, at my house this week. And I look at this, this guy right here, just kind of standing there. Obviously, can't say a word. Seems so in insignificant, doesn't he? Guys, he's the dad. Mom's the important one. And rightly so, after all, she's the one having the baby, you know. And we dads are there to support. But there's just Joseph. Yeah, there's just Joseph. Are you like me? Do you want to know more about this guy? Do you, do you, you know, you're not told a whole lot, so you kind of got to go back and dig some stuff in biblical history to find out a little more, a little more about Joseph. And even that little bit that you go out there and dig and find, this little guy that just kind of sits there, we think just sits there and, 
doesn't move, doesn't speak. Yet I believe, obviously second to Mary and Jesus, as the birth father of the Son of God, Joseph is such an unsung hero of the manger. So I want you to walk inside the manger with me. You've put up your manger. you set up your Joseph. And then when you go home today and you see Joseph, you think about what we talk about this morning, and you say, whoa, there's more to that man than meets the eye. Oh, there really is. Let me show you, but before I do, let's pray. Lord, it's good to be here this morning. Thank you for the family of faith that's gathered right here in this place. And Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart first be acceptable to you. And then, Lord, translate what I say into the hearts of all of us in this room as the Word of God for Sunday morning, December 1st, 2013 at Olive Springs Baptist Church. Help us to see Joseph as the birth father of the Son of God. I pray and I thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As I told you, Joseph was only visible to us, I guess you would say, until really Jesus was 12 years old of Luke chapter 2 when Mary and Joseph took him to Jerusalem. And the only further reference after that to this incredible man was that he was a carpenter and a family man. Now, we'll know a whole lot more in just a minute about, I believe, why God chose Joseph. So often, Joseph is the extra in the Christmas story. He shows up in the program. He, he brings no gifts. He has no solo part, and he makes no speeches. Joseph just kind of stands there. But I'm going to tell you, folks, even this week, and some things that I discovered blew me away about Joseph. Well, let me read it to you first. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 1. 18 to 25 are the verses of chapter 1, and listen to this. This is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says this, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that before they came together, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel, word is angelos in the Greek, it means simply messenger. It does mean angel, but an angel is what? A messenger of God. So the messenger of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream and said this, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because of what has been conceived in her is not by any other man on this earth. It's by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son. You're to call him, you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the prophet was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. So when Joseph got up from his sleeping, 
He did just like the angel had commanded him. He married Mary. But he didn't know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. And then he did what God said. He named him Jesus. This morning, I want to use three words in this outline to describe Joseph to you. And in describing this man, my goal, my desire, is that you know more about him than you've ever, ever known in your life. Or, if you know what I am about to say, it will strengthen your knowledge of Joseph to the point that he won't be just a figure in your manger anymore. You will actually see him for who he is, the birth father of the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you about three things. Joseph's character, Joseph's call, and Joseph's conduct. Now I'm going to have these on the screen for you, but if you want to fill in the outline, I just gave it to you. Joseph's character, Joseph's conduct, or call, and then the third one, Joseph's conduct. The first two verses here, verses 18 and 19 that we read, reveal to us the character of Joseph. It's incredible verses, and there are two words that I use to describe his character and what the Bible uses to describe his character. The first word, that's not on the screen or in your outline. If you choose to write these down, that's up to you. But these two words that describe his character are the words righteousness and compassion. King James says there was he was consecrated. The man was righteous. The Greek called this word dikaios. It means righteousness. It means the man who lives for God. And as far as the law is concerned, Joseph was blameless. He was a righteous man. He walked by faith in God. And folks, we're told he's a carpenter. We're not told a whole lot more about him. But one thing is made perfectly clear about Joseph. Joseph was a godly blameless man, and God chose him. Just an ordinary guy, folks. A man who just loved God. And he had been declared righteous, covered. Now, after the cross, we understand this righteousness to be the covering of the very blood of Jesus Christ. We are atoned. We are covered from the top of our head to the bottom of the soles of our feet in the very blood of Jesus Christ. You and I today are declared not righteous. God declared Joseph a righteous man. So God chose Joseph the carpenter by trade, to be the birth father of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the first quality God's looking for in a man's life is whether or not he is righteous. Is he godly? Can you imagine the birth father of the Son of God not being a godly man? Never. Never. And see, the first and foremost 
that you and I need to be sure about before we leave here is that as Joseph, we are righteous. We have intentionally invited Jesus Christ into our life, and you and I have been declared righteous in the eyes of God. You see, God cannot look upon sin. And we are a sinful person, agreed. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So as God looks on you and me, how can he help but not see sin? There's only one way, the what? Blood of Jesus that cleanses man from all sin. Joseph's character, the first word, is that this man was a righteous blameless man. And then there's a second word that describes Joseph's character. It's the word compassion. Compassion. For just a moment, try to put yourself in Joseph's place. You are betrothed to Mary, which is the same as a legal marriage, except there is no physical intimacy. Let me explain this. There were three steps involved in the Jewish marriage. First step, the engagement. That's when the parents usually determine who the child was to marry, often at a very early age. In this case, it wasn't the earthly parents of Joseph. It was God who made that choice. Whoa. So there's the engagement decided on prior to by parents. And then the second part of a Jewish marriage was called the betrothal. At a determined time, the couple agreed or disagreed with the engagement. They could. They didn't have to go along with it. It wasn't a binding agreement even then. If they, that is what the parents decided. The couple could change their mind. If they followed through, however, the betrothal was immediately binding. After this one-year period of waiting, this betrothal, if you separated, you had to get a writ of divorce. You see? The engagement was something prearranged and understood. The betrothal was a determined period of time that the couple agreed or disagreed with the engagement. And then that waiting period, usually one year in Jewish law. And up to that point, once they were betrothed, it was like their marriage. There was no physical intimacy in the relationship. And, and, if either or the husband or the soon-to-be wife here outside of that marriage, had physical relations with someone else, the law said the penalty was that you be stoned to death. Kind of different from the 21st century laws of marriage, isn't it? And then there came, there's the engagement, there's the betrothal, and then there's the marriage. That's the consummation of the marriage that took place. And the Bible says this is this, the most important, the final sealing of the marriage. This was the most important of the process. Holy, extremely, extremely holy. And this 
relationship was never consummated until after that waiting period. That's why the Bible says, and Joseph did not have intimacy with Mary until after Jesus was born. Had he had it prior to, he could have been stoned to death. Do you understand that now? In the scripture. Do you see the predicament now? Joseph, a godly man, his character of being righteous, but now the second word is compassion. He knows the law. He knew what he could do. But what did Joseph later do? We'll see that here in just a minute. But wow. Such an incredible verse. Let me read you the law of what it says. When you read this, folks, it blows you away. How important betrothal is leading to the marriage. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 and 24. Listen to this. If there is a young woman who is a virgin, and she is engaged, that is betrothed to a man, and another man encounters her in the and has sex with her, you must take the two of them out to the gate of that city and stone them to death. Pretty rough, isn't it? The young woman, because she did not cry out in confession of her sin in the middle of the city, which was required, and the man, because he had violated his neighbor's fiance, you must purge this evil from you. Now I want you to see Joseph here, godly man. He finds out that the lady he is betrothed to is pregnant. And Joseph says, guess what, folks? I'm not the father. Okay. If he would have allowed her to do what society and the law said to do. She would have had to have gone in the middle of the city, cry out her sin. And then the Bible said she would have been stoned to death for committing adultery. See, folks, we don't see all this when we see this guy right here. He's just a cute little figure. Boy, he looks nice in my manger scene. Do you see what this man was going through right now? You see what he had to face, what he had to decide? Do I have the lady that I love? And incidentally, she was 13 or 14 years old. A virgin made very clear. And now she's pregnant. She's not a virgin anymore. And God says, you might ought to rethink this one, Joseph. Doesn't that make you want to feel like this guy for a minute? Doesn't that make you want to go in there and just hug his neck and shake his hand? I don't see how you do He was living with all this. He knew what he had to do according to the law. But he chose to do what God desires. Let me show you the rest of this. It gets even better, folks, as you talk about Joseph and you hear him and you see him. So character, character, the very fact that 
He is righteous. The very fact that He has compassion, the compassion of God. Then let me talk to you about the second thing in verses 20 through 23, the call. The, this one is, you know, I read this and I knew it, and then I kept reading again, and it blew me away. Let me read these verses. But after he had considered these things, the messenger, the angel of the Lord, suddenly appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do you see why the angel says this now? Because what she's conceived in herself is not by man's, by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Guys, what would you do? Now, we guys can maybe identify with this with a whole lot better than our ladies in our congregation. Would you just kind of... Would that be your reaction, guys? Of course it would. Holy, say what I say again? But then it sank in. Remember now, Joseph's a godly man. He's a blameless man. His, his, his ultimate heart is to do what God wants. Then I can just see this. And I can, you ever seen that when you're looking at somebody and the light bulb kind of goes off? And it kind of, you know, he changes just like that. Then he realizes... He, it changes from, I don't want to have her stoned. I love her. That's going to be my wife. I'm not going to have her stoned. It changes from that attitude to, oh, wow, she's the mother of God on this earth. Hey, dads, how would you like to be the dad of the Son of God on this earth? How would you feel? Next week, we're going to, in two or three weeks, we're going to find out how Mary felt. Next week, we're going to find out how the shepherds felt. But I'm telling you, Joseph was absolutely blown away because it is a fact that God called him. The angel looked to David, I mean, looked to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, Joseph is never called the son of David except in this spot right here by the angel. What a title. Do you see what he's saying to Joseph? We already know from Matthew's lineage, Joseph was of the lineage of David. And now the angel bestows, bestows such an incredible title on Joseph. Joseph, the guy who's just standing there in my manger scene, not saying a word with his arms open like this, looking down to the baby. The Bible says he is called, he is the birth father of the Son of God, and he is the son of David, making him the father of Jesus. And Joseph, can, I can just see Joseph. He turns back and he says... That's in a dream. You're calling me the son of David? I'm not David's son. I'm in the family, but I'm not David's son. And I can just hear that angel. Oh, oh yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. Joseph, the birth father of Jesus Christ. That's the call, folks. God called Joseph from before the foundation of the world to be Jesus' earthly daddy. I tell you what, the greatest, greatest moment outside of becoming a Christian. I don't remember being born, but I do remember becoming a Christian. That's the greatest, most incredible decision I ever made in my life. But the next closest thing to it that just sits right there beside it too is when Michael and Bethany were born. And any of you dads in here, 
to have seen and been a part of that or whatever, you know what it's like, whether you're a biological father, whether you have adopted, whether you whatever, you know. Maybe your dad in here just like say you love children, genuinely love children. You know what it's like. There's nothing any greater. And now here is Joseph, the guy who's just standing there. He's in this old stable, smelly, very smelly. And Jesus is laying in that trough, that feeding trough, the manger. The word manger has taken on the connotation of being the actual where Jesus was born. But the manger we know is just the feeding trough where the hay was kept. But they laid Jesus there, wrapped him deep in swaddling clothes and put him down in that manger. And here is Joseph. And and now when you look at that character of Joseph, let it filter of all we've talked about this morning. Now, not only is his character, but his call. God called him to do what he did. Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. This was the sign. Joseph was now the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And this man realizes this. And he sees the power of God on his life. And just like Mary, Joseph is absolutely, I'm sure, taken back because of his heart for God. That God would choose a carpenter. A guy that goes from house to house in building and taking care of things. Just a normal guy. Not a king, not a prince. Just a normal guy. And that man would be a godly, godly, blameless man. A man who was righteous. A man who had compassion. And a man who had the call of God on his life. Let me tell you the third thing. It's found in the last two verses of our text this morning. Right, you've had it down, it's there. The word conduct, Joseph's conduct. Look at this. When Joseph got up, when he woke up, basically, when he got up from his sleeping, what's the next two words? He did. He obeyed. He did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, and he followed through. He married Mary. But he didn't look at this now. Now, they're married. Betrothal was that. But now he's sealed everything. It's done. It's finished. Except for one thing. The final part of the Jewish marriage, which was intimacy. Joseph said no. Not until after the Son of God was born. And then there was the intimacy. The Scripture is very careful to point that out. That's Joseph's conduct. That's who he is. I really looked at that and chose three words to describe his conduct. Three words, obedience, integrity, and surrender. Obviously, when he woke up, he did what God said in the dream. What the messenger, the angel, the angelos of God said to do. He did exactly what he said he would do. But then, ladies and gentlemen, the integrity to do something about it. The integrity to say, I'm not going to do what the world says I need to do. I'm going to act like God. 
Joseph's desire was to do what God would do in the current situation. And as best he knew that, do that, he would do that. God-like actions toward Mary. He loved her and he knew she was carrying the one and only Son of God. There was an integrity about this man. He did what he said he would do under God. And the third thing I would describe who he is and the very fact of his conduct was his surrender. Surrender. Total commitment of God from this man, Joseph. Jesus. Yeshua in Hebrew. Joshua. You know what that, man, that name means? God is what? Salvation. You will name him Jesus. What's that name mean? God is salvation. That's why the importance, folks. That's why the angel was very careful for, for, for Joseph to realize, make sure you name him Jesus. Naming a child was the most important thing after birth. Because it said his identity. It said who he was. And God had commissioned. And that naming happened through the Father. Now, I know it's a two-way street, Mary and Joseph, but God said, and I can just see Joseph now, okay, Lord, she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to name this child, you can name him whatever you desire. And he says, I think you ought to name him Jesus. Is that what the Scripture said? You will. Folks, when God says you will do something, you better not take that as a suggestion. Because God went to Joseph and he said, Joseph, you will name him Jesus. Why? Because this is salvation that has come to earth. All because of the power of God. And Joseph, his character, his call, and then his conduct, he did what God said. I could preach another ten sermons on the life lessons from this message. But I think you get the point. Such incredible men. Such incredible Joseph. So when you go home today and you pick up Joseph, now be careful because your children, your grandchildren, or your neighbors that are over at your house may think you've just really flipped, you know? So if you if you pick up your your figurine of Joseph and says, "Wow, I never believe." If people see you doing this, they will honestly think we got to take you to the hospital. So be careful, but still do it while you're alone and just look at that figure. However, you remains your scene of Joseph. Mine's a little precious moments one in my office. It looks quite different from this one, and I know all you are worrying about me dropping this most any moment, but I'll, I'll do my best. But to look at Joseph and to realize this man was a godly, godly man. This man had the call of God on his life like we don't understand. To be the birth daddy of Jesus. Whoa. And then he did what God said to do. All in that one little figure. Never said a word in Scripture. Never verse quoted that he quoted. Just 
the birth father of the Son of God. Faithful. That's what I call him. Faithful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the manger. And you know, Lord, I guess we just, I know baby Jesus is there and Mary and, and, and Joseph. But Lord, sometimes I guess we just take for granted what we see. We set up that manger year after year, same manger, put it in the same spot, and we see, and we just never, and we read the Christmas story and we hear it preached. And Lord, thank you. That is your gospel. That is the incarnation. You left heaven yourself and you became man and you walked on this earth and you lived and you died and you were buried and you were resurrected but Lord sometimes we forget Joseph we forget what we see in that manger we forget forgive us Lord and may this Christmas season we go inside the manger and May our Christmas never be the same. That's my prayer, Father, for all of us. That what we see this year in Christmas is different from all the rest. Lord, I thank you for Joseph. One word, Lord, faithfulness. And then I can't help but think of your faithfulness to us. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. To come and leave the riches of heaven and the glory of heaven and becoming on this earth and live for us to take every sin we'd ever commit to a cross and die for us and then to cover us with your blood Lord Jesus because we invite you to come into our life Lord may that be salvation today whatever needs to happen in this place you are in control and your will be done Joseph would say for the will of God to be taken care of. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand to your feet. That little chorus, that beautiful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So Doug, and Doug and I were talking about it. He said, Randy, you know, that'd be such an incredible hymn to sing following this sermon of the very faithfulness of God. So will you sing that as your commitment? Matthew and I are down here. Austin, you come and join with Matthew. And we'll be here if you need us. Whatever's on your heart, you come. But sing that chorus as Doug leads us right now.